the beauty of today is, is that with the distribution digital world that we live in, there's no excuse to not have the knowledge and the information and the insight the to build wealth. is there. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. Last week, Mike, we talked about the idea of multiplying wealth and how most people have been um, stuck in the trap of learning like a first grader, right? Just addition and subtraction. And, you know, addition and subtraction worked when, when we didn't operate in a uh, fiat currency market, right? When, when, when um, economic standards adhered to like, classical economics of having gold backing um, securities or backing the dollar, where money was actually something that was tangible, here in, in America where U.S. dollars were a representation of some um, item of value. Unfortunately, though, we no longer live in that era. In right? Fort Knox, a gold bar. That's right. We no, <laughs> we no longer are in the Fort Knox um, era of U.S. dollars, which means right. the, um, the idea of operating on that same way of thinking Right. Is what is most antiquated. And so, um, you know, my thesis was that um, the way to get um, less wealthy slowly is to believe that that we should look at money um, from a mediocre perspective of thinking about um, total money invested plus risk plus patience. Right. Is the slow game of losing wealth. That's your dad's way. That's right. That's that's the best boomer way of thinking about uh, wealth building. Yep. And unfortunately, with modern monetary theory and the the um, you know petro back dollar that we operate with today, that's the slow way of of becoming less wealthy, especially now on the runaway train of inflation. Yeah. As you know, we talked about inflation um, on this podcast multiple times before um, others got on board to at least acknowledge the existence of of real inflation numbers. And even now at 6%, it's still artificially suppressed. We know that uh, inflation is actually much higher than that. But uh, but at least the Fed is now claiming it's at 6%. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're at least acting like they're concerned about it. We're, talk, we're talking about it yeah, finally. Yeah, we don't think that any changes will actually happen. We, we're, I, I'm, uh, I'm in the camp that the government will continue just to print more money because when the tapering occurs... The velocity will slow, will continue to suffer, and then we we start this inflation spiral, or or we accelerate the inflation spiral, and so um, I, I think that what we'll find is that uh, it, that it will continue to get worse before it gets better. So multiplying becomes a really a pivotal thing that we have to keep in mind when we think about um, building wealth in a, in a new or a different economic market like what we're in now. And so, um, we talked about last week, then the idea of, um, how to multiply it, which was to buy assets that cash flow or increase in value, right. That outpace inflation over time. Okay. And so that's assets plus cash flow over time. Okay. And you have two beautiful things happen. You're cash flowing and you're building, you're building equity. That's over right. time. That's right. And and so you could also look at it and say, okay, well, you know, the S&P 500 doesn't um, get me cash flow. Um, however, in this particular instance, uh, you know, maybe the, the thing that I would argue against is that it, the S&P 500, while it doesn't get you cash flow, it does significantly historically outpace inflation. 
Right. And, and as a byproduct, you can use that for future cash flow if needed. Okay. And so at minimum, we should have an asset that go, that appreciates in value. Um, and if it can bring you cash flow, that makes it even better over time. And so a Pokemon card or a Michael Jordan card, um, are, are technically an asset. They don't bring cash flow, but the rate in which they've gone up in value. Yeah. I saw Perry J's just sold for like $600,000 or something <laughs> crazy. So, so that's a pretty good investment, yeah, right? I can't uh, remember what it was. Uh, yeah. Art has been an, has been, <laughs> art has been an asset class that outpaces inflation um, over, over the last three decades. Now with technology, you can fractionalize the purchasing of art um, and so art could be a way that you could, um, have an asset that, that creates, um, an appreciating benefit over time. Um, you know, obviously real estate is an asset that creates cash flow that goes up in value. Plus there's tax benefits, um, plus cash flow that continues to benefit, um, over time. Um, crypto projects are also, um, could be also seen the government deems them as assets um, that create that you can create cash flow on and they go up in value over time at least in the last uh, almost 15 years that's been the case okay. now there are, of course are times in which they're incredibly volatile right or I guess every day is volatile in the crypto space uh, it was nine months ago I believe we talked about how the market went down 50 percent in in crypto yeah. And so uh, the volatility certainly exists in that space. But the thesis is that it will continue to um, innovate and evolve and go up in value over time. So it's a long term thing like you don't you want to look at this as a like is your gambling or just short term. I mean, this is a long term. That's thing, right. right. Unless you're trading. Right. Unless yeah. your goal is to trade in and out of something, which yep. means you're a day um, trader that you better be um, talented and know how to trade or learn how to trade. Because most traders I believe it's almost 90 percent of traders lose money. And so um, trading becomes something where you have to be adept at doing that. And, and when we think about multiplying it, then it's thinking about um understanding what niches are you going to focus or follow that you believe will have a multiplying benefit in the future. For instance, I think on our conversation on the last episode, I talked about investing into carbon credits. Yeah. That's a market that's, that some um, anticipate will 100 X in the, in the future, because as we continue to push towards a greener climate, yeah. Um, that that market will continue to um, grow in its in its uh, market cap value, and so um, maybe for someone that's um, an industry that you're passionate about, that you're interested in, um, and then that you want to somewhat play the casino of the future in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, blockchain. It, there's a ton of them. I know. Like, uh, okay, so you guys. I mean, a lot of people work for companies. Um, they work, they work for places and they, they're excited about what's going on in their company. I used to work for a builder. And so it was natural for me. Like I geek out on builders. So I'm, if I'm going to buy stock, I know what's going on. I'm selling this stuff. I see that everybody sold out. So it'd be a great investment for me to, you know, if that's something that I want to invest my time and energy and understanding what's going on in that particular market or that niche. Absolutely. And so we have to, we have to, um, in order to multiply it, we have to have kept it 
or our goal is to, we either have to have kept the surplus that we have, um, or we want to keep the gains that we make through multiplication. And so I determined that the equation for, for keeping money is emotions plus automation plus expenses and then asset protection. And so the emotions piece are that I need to have a predetermined goal or thesis um, or like an enter and an exit strategy and a number that I want to get to because what I want to do is um, be unemotional about the decisions that I make. Oftentimes the best way to be unemotional is to predetermine them so that you can follow your own predetermined plan. Got it. So that in the middle of the night when the crypto market crashes 50%, you're not FOMOing out of it and, uh, and just paper handing out of the market, right? And so in that particular instance, because my conviction was higher, I bought more. Right. And rather than selling, you have to, you have to decide how will you react when that takes place. And, and, the best and have that do- set beforehand because when it happens... You don't want to make that decision out of emotions. You want to make it out of logic. Yeah. And so then you can even (laughs) further automate it. Yeah. Right. That says, okay, I could go in then and set orders or, or whatever, um, to buy if it goes by down by 50% or buys, if it retreats by 80% or whatever that number is. Right. Okay. Um, automation can be one of the best ways for you to, um, not get emotions caught up in your multiplying wealth journey. Another way that you can automate it is right. You could have money taken out of, for instance, for our car payments. I always, I have money that goes into our like living account the money that goes into our car payment account that comes automatically out of um, each paycheck mm-hmm. so that I don't have to um, see the money ever show up and then think about where I want to allocate it. Automate it. How are you going to use automation to route money, whether that's money that you're going to save, invest um, or, or pay your bills. Nonetheless, you need to have those automation strategies already built in so that your emotions never have to come into play. Um, or so that you don't even have to think about whether you saved or invested this month. And then, of course, um, you can, and Mike Tyson has proved, so many others have proved, you can actually spend more money than you make, regardless of how much money you make. And while expense management is not sexy, and it's expense management is not exactly the way to wealth building, it can be the way to uh, losing your wealth. Wealth keeping. That's right. Yeah. And so expense management... Um, is one of the is going to be one of the uh, best ways to ensure that you keep it. Like Jeff Bezos doesn't have to worry about expense management because he's so far on the extreme of yeah. wealth multiplying yeah. that he could get a divorce, give a large chunk of his wealth away, and still be wealthier the next year. Yeah, which is bananas, yeah. by the way. Yeah, <laughs> and so it also demonstrates, though, that it, you can't save your way to wealth building. You can't yeah. cut your Netflix on your way to wealth building. It's active. Like, I I feel like everybody feels like wealth building is passive. Like, you just put your 10% back and you'll be wealthy one day. And the problem is that if you can't save enough. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, I, I brought this up in a show. I We were in our prep. Like, we I bought two, two subs, two $5 footlongs, and it was $25. Like that's a lot of money, um, and you can't you can't save that. You have to go out and proactively. When they tell you to buy, you you sell, and yeah. when you sell, yeah, 
you go buy yeah. when there's a recession and you that's right they were selling houses you can buy houses for 60 grand go out and everybody was selling their house go out and buy them yeah absolutely so, anyway yeah i mean that's the that's the warren buffett thesis right is you you like if if they're scared be greedy right and so <laughs> um so it's a that's a perfect way to understand it and you know that's one of the most effective ways to multiply your money is to th- is to multiply your thinking you know, someone had to go out and invent pool noodles, right? And, and so someone thought differently about solving a problem. Some, we talked about someone put wheels on rolling luggage. Um, someone put zippers on, on leather bags. Yeah. You know, someone changed thinking to go multiply their wealth by finding um, solutions to uh, problems of everyday life. So thinking differently is one of the most effective ways to multiply and then changing the people that you surround yourself with Amen. and the people that you allow to have conversations with you or around you is one of the most effective ways. And, you know, it's interesting because oftentimes the people you surround yourself with comes at a price. And the difference between wealth, <clears throat> between being wealthy or not is oftentimes the price you're willing to pay um, that it costs to be around those people. I- you, Honestly, man, it's just the way I, I always say this. You hang out with five millionaires, you'll be the six. What it is, is they, you change the way you think. Yeah. And, and I say that at 100%. And by the way, I say it comes at a price because oftentimes um, in order to be around a certain group of people, there is yeah. a, an entry price at some point. Yeah. You know, I think that like I'm in a, I'm in an entrepreneur's group. I pay every year to be a part of GoBundance um, and then I, I pay to show up at events. I, I pay for the airfare, I pay for the lodging, the meals, all of that. And yet the amount of gain that, um, that I've multiplied as a byproduct of that entrance price is, dis, is just astronomically disproportionate. Is this the value add? Like that's the same premise that you were saying. You have to add value. And as if, if you add value to people just like, you know, that organization adds value to you, you're going to multiply. And, and, you know, I think about it as well. It goes, I have to hire a coach and that coach has to then, uh, that hiring that, that, that coach costs me money. Yeah. And so that money that I get in return has to be greater than the amount that I'm paying to have a conversation with those people. Right. Right. And, you know, I look at it, it's like I paid Adam for, for almost four years to coach and it was one of the best investments I made. Right. And if it wasn't, I wouldn't have continued to pay it. Right. Right. And so changing the people that you have conversations with can be one of the most effective ways to multiply money and, and then changing your systems. You know, that we talked about several times about how the idea that environment is the invisible hand that shapes outcome and in environment can be system related or typically is system related. Totally. And so thinking about money from a um, way of thinking about it from a, a system of, of having a process to either get more of it or to multiply it uh, can be one of the most effective things that you do because a system can be anything from, um, you know, having a system that every morning you wake up and you check yesterday's trades from Nancy Pelosi and then you buy what she bought. That's a really good way to build your wealth. That's a fantastic wealth building system and having a, having a system for, um, you know, whatever habits or behaviors 
um, that you can automate to build wealth is one of the most overlooked things um, for wealth building. Honestly, we all have systems, yeah. whether we're aware of the systems or not. So if you want to build wealth, mimic the systems of wealthy people or Absolutely. don't like if you're not going to be wealthy, you're following a system of not being wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You're, I mean, I hear that as, as essentially you're either going to have um, systems by default or that you're going to have systems that are intentional that build, that build wealth. Either way, you have a system. You're going to have a system. So it's the result of that system is what you decide, what system you decide to build. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's funny that I make, I make this comment all the time about, I just, like, the fact that Nancy Pelosi's stock portfolio has gotten, like, this amazing internet social traction is the, one of the most, like, hilariously, um, the most hilarious movements of the internet to me. Like there, there are literally apps that are built now that just follow and buy the stock trades of the Pelosi portfolio, because when you outperformed every single hedge, like large hedge fund manager in the market, um, people will find a fascinating coincidence and build a system to go trade and mimic precisely what the best if we traders if we on the planet do. And when Pelosi Buffett, was one of the best traders. People will follow it to build, to multiply that wealth. There you go. And so that's the best part though, about understanding that if it's working for someone disproportionately, someone knows something or does something different. How can you, instead of, um, instead of thinking that you can't go do the same, how can you instead change the thinking to go, okay, what is, what is that person doing that I could then mimic or, or mirror in order to also multiply their wealth. And so uh, it's what, to me, that is one of the most ingenious things that has come out of the pandemic is now all of the accounts that track and monitor and, and trade like senators and congressmen, because your, I think it should. your I politicians think that should be held accountable. I think that you should know what the, this should be transparency. I think that that's what's not happening. Yeah, and that's what's amazing is that when we when you look the um the there's in fact there's a site called Unusual Whales that has all of the trades for politicians and it tracks them all simultaneously mm -hmm. and uh and they show how how much uh Congress and Senate has outperformed the S&P 500 and hedge funds and it's alarming. But the beauty of it is, is because of the availability to um, to information today, you can go do that exact same thing. Mm -hmm. You can take insider trading information, sorry, um, whatever they call it now, um, that's not that, Dude, you and you can me. go do the exact same thing. <laughs> What's that? So me, you gonna get? That's the last we ever heard of Eric. In the thing. Right. <laughs> uh, what's crazy though is, is that that. The, it's all systems and models it, and they're gamifying. So like right. anything what everybody is doing, you can figure out what they're doing and, and mimic and model what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about it even during the taxation, um, yeah. even during the, the pay no taxes episode we did of podcast, right? Yeah. We talk about all this the tax credits uh, that the, the Donald Trump got prior to being in office to pay no taxes. All of those things, the beauty of today is, is that with the distribution digital world that we live in, there's no excuse 
to not have the knowledge and the information and the insight the to build wealth is there. Like the, 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 there's blaring lights on saying where these loopholes are. And that's yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, pres- so, the former president took advantage paid no of taxes. It. He you're, paid no tax, 700 the, bucks or something. The speaker of the house outperformed the market by two X. Mm-hmm. There are roadmaps to yeah, following follow that playbook. Yeah. And so, um, when, after we think about, after we understand that we keep it, um, by, by automating it and by multiplying it, then we have to think about how do we transfer wealth? And this is the unsexy part of wealth building is Mm -hmm. the idea of protecting it so that you can transfer it. And there are a lot of different ways that you can choose to transfer it. And that's for each person's um, preference. Someone might choose to transfer it to the uh, humane society or to, um, you know, whatever social cause is important to them. They might transfer it to um, the Carnegie libraries, the Clinton foundations, the, the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. There are all these different ways that you can transfer it. But typically the first one is you have to have a will as you have to have a predetermined what's next um, for assets and then a trust. And so that you're creating some privacy, some certainty, you're minimizing your liability. Um, and then, of course, insurance products, right? This is the fastest way. Uh, one of the fastest ways to lose money um, is to uh, lose it due to liability yeah. or lose it due to health. Yeah. Or loss. Yeah. Somebody, yeah. Lawsuit. Loss of health, yeah. loss of life, yeah. loss of life, like yeah. where you're where you're sued and, and, and lose it there. So having insurance products can be a really uh, a good way to transfer it. Um, having corporations so that there are, there is the ability to have some benefits of taxation and some benefits of privacy and liability and then having marital agreements. You know, and one of our, one of our mentors, uh, you know, Gary Keller talks about um, the the best way to avoid having marital um, loss of wealth or to protect it is to have um, prenuptial agreements and postnuptial agreements. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that you know that you would actually have a predetermined way in which um, this is actually how it was done with Bill and Melinda Gates was that they had already determined what was going to happen with their assets. And with their wealth while they were still married. Yeah. If they were divorced, this is how it would be divided. Yeah. And, yeah. and so while... Being proactive and having a plan. That's right. And not being emotional about the plan by predetermining the plan. Exactly what you said earlier. <laughs> yep. Taking the emotions out of the situation. Because when you're in the divorce, now you guys are talking about money and everybody's emotional. Well, you know, Mike, that leads me to my next one. One of the best ways to lose money is by um, who you marry. Right is the quickest way to lose fifty percent is um, is is typically through divorce, and and then of course the the next most common way is um, is health. Right, so so loss of health can yeah. be the most devastating thing for um, someone's ability to um, earn income, and as a byproduct, then um, multiply or build wealth. I also think one of the fastest ways to lose money is how you think. Yeah. Right, is do you, are you thinking yeah. about scarcity? Are you thinking yeah. about loss? Are you making decisions from a perspective of lack? Yeah. Because oftentimes focusing on lack gets more lack. Yeah. Focusing on scarcity gets more scarcity. And I hate that because it is the most cliche um, social media, Instagram influencer BS. It's true, though. But it is true. It is true. Like you read the, I, I'm going to bring up the secret. Like you are yeah. like, it is what it is. Like 
you, you get what you're putting out in the world. And when you're, when you're thinking like that, you get that back. And, it, and it's because you take actions that are in alignment with that thinking. Yeah. Right. It, it's not because you think it into existence, but it's because you think it and then act in a way in which either is abundant and multiplying right. or is scarce and lacking. Right. Is it the chicken or the egg? I yeah. had a, a lady that's always sick. Are you always, she's always talks about how sick she is. Is she always sick or is she yeah. always speaking that into existence? Yeah. And you know, that's a whole different rabbit trail that we could go <laughs> down, but like, but there's an amazing, um, there's an amazing uh, study about the placebo effect um, that, that was recently on a, uh, on a podcast that explained has a, uh, has a like sister podcast where they talk about, um, like running the placebo effect and how, how incredibly powerful it is on health yeah. in a way in which, uh, most of us, you know, we've heard that placebos are, can be really hard to measure, but they go even more in depth to, to share the, like they'll tell people that it's a placebo before they take it and still get and the placebo still, effect. It still has the effect. That's crazy. And so even when the you mind know is it, so yeah. powerful, man. it's just like you, the, the, what's the, the, the VAR ball. Like he kept, I'm, they're the greatest. They're the greatest. Yeah. They're the greatest. And now everything that everybody was laughing at, he's got it. He's making more money. They got shoes. They're, they're doing their thing. So the reverse of that happens. Like I'm broke. I'm broke. Or I'm I'm sick. I'm sick. So anyway, yeah, yeah, we'll link that that podcast or that study in the in the um, show notes. But it is incredible to know that like how much the thought process comes into play for um, for multiplying money is how you think, and then um, what you learn yeah. is one of the fastest ways either to lose it or to gain it. Um, if you're learning things that are antiquated and slow, or or you're learning things that are um, potentially not applicable or uh, not current events. Out of scope. You, you, to, in order to have wealth, you have to be focused. You have to focus on your whatever that focus is. And if you're out here, you're not going to achieve what it is you're trying to achieve. That's right. And then one of the other ways to lose money is on who you hire. Right. And there's a lot of ways that we could unpack the idea of who you hire around losing wealth, because that could be you hire um, a corrupt financial advisor or or, you know, someone who's an executor of your state. Um, and it's pretty and we've seen, unfortunately, that happen time and time again. There was someone who hired uh, Bernie Madoff. Right. Now, there are a lot of people, in fact, billions of dollars worth of people hired Bernie Madoff and that money was then lost. Um, and, and so who you hire can be one of the um, ways in which you lose. And, and then um, the cost that you allow. And so some of the costs that you allow could be, um, you know, costs of potentially like fees. Um, you know, fees to manage a portfolio or fees to build wealth or the costs of opportunity costs. Yeah. That's one of the most interesting things about the idea of the cost that you allow. Understand that if you had bought Bitcoin in 2010 and held it in your portfolio, you would have outperformed the S and P 500 and most major hedge funds. And so the cost that people didn't allow was the opportunity cost of not investing into disruptive, innovative technology. Yeah. And by thinking that, hey, if I, it, that's too risky, 
they missed the opportunity cost of multiplying wealth building, myself included, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I never took I th- the time yeah. to even bother yeah. learning what it was when I first learned about it, right? Yeah. And so um, cost doesn't have to be just um, fees. Cost could be opportunity cost that's lost. The interest that you pay, obviously paying high rates of interest on credit cards or, um, or student loan um, can be one of the biggest ways to lose wealth. And then inflation. Inflation is theft. Understand that like when, when you uh, experience inflation, that um, you're losing money. Mm-hmm. You're losing buying power by um, having inflation or by having um, your money or your wealth not stored in assets that inflate as inflation um, also simultaneously thieves your buying power. Yeah, it's crazy, but I don't really feel like people, people are like, man, everything is expensive, but they, I don't think they understand why. Not only do they not understand why, but they're also not then taking action against the why. Yeah. they're not, Well, I, if you don't know yeah, that's that true. it's inflation, yeah. you don't know why you just paid $25 for a $5 foot long. You don't, you know, you just complain about, I keep seeing on Facebook people bitching about their gas prices on Facebook. You can either complain about it or you can take action and do something. That's about right. It. That's right. And, <laughs> and the taking action and doing something is probably not going out and buying an electric vehicle. If you're just looking at like, how do you solve the systemic inflation problem? Right. right. That's just one sector that you're seeing inflation. You're seeing inflation across Ooh. the entire spectrum other than clothes. Yeah, Everything but yeah. clothes. Clothes. You still buy clothes for two. That's right. <laughs> because. Because the pandemic didn't inflate the buying of clothes. There's a lot of supply because people start, started wearing sweats everywhere. Right. There's a, it's a big supply of clothes That's laying right. around. So, <laughs> and when you look at food, you're seeing this mass consolidation and what amounts to being like anti-consumer practices. Yeah, with like the meat. That's right. The oh, meat packing like industry. Five, like, yeah, like Tyson. Is, and, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so see that consolidation and anti-cooperative practices are yeah. causing inflation along with monetary printing. So I feel like it's an opportunity. They say, okay, now, now's the time for us to all come together. And then now we can, because of market forces, we can then restrict supply and then further drive up the cost of our product that's right right. (laughs) yeah look i mean look the lumber the lumber industry um as you know skyrocketed in prices and uh it's interesting the paper the the mills had their highest profit because they didn't drop the price even though lumber went up now lumber's back down but guess what i still gotta pay high-ass prices for lumber and so because (laughs) because so many people will accept it yeah there's no reason to do anything different. that's what like the cereal boxes like your cereal box is the same but the amount of food that's in the box goes down what do they call that hidden inflation shrinkflation yeah yeah Yeah. so and so because it it is tolerated yeah People get get uh, less wealthy so slowly they think they're still winning. Yeah, and they're sinking in quicksand. That's right. It, it's like we we talked about in our inflation episode. I believe um, it was you know. Dude, about- we've been talking about inflation for months, y'all. I'm just <laughs> now seeing it on the news. Yeah, we've been talking about what's going on here. Yeah, and sorry, uh, I cut and you. No, off. you're no, you're 100 <laughs> percent right. We it, it's the example of um, understanding that that you're on a boat that's taking on water. And then you have to decide, are you going to just keep trying to drive faster 
and think that you're going to stop taking on water if you drive the boat faster? Or are you going to figure out how to bail water and then reinforce the boat? That's the difference is that you can, you can go, damn, we're taking on water and realize that eventually you're going to sink. Mm-hmm. Or you can, you can try Fix to drive it. faster. You can try to get more money you're still going to take water on by driving faster. So yeah. that's still not going to fix it. Or you can reinforce, you can bail water and reinforce the hull. Right. Those are the only real options that exist. Unfortunately, most people are, are going, damn, we're taking water on. And they just keep, they just keep, keep going. It. Yeah, it's the craziest thing. And so I noticed it on the, like from a, from a news perspective, like we've been talking about, I know for a year about how the dollar is now worth well a while ago it was like worth 80 cents i don't know what it would be yeah. now but um you just have to be super aware of it and put actions and plans and don't do the status quo what got you here we're not in that economy anymore no we're not what we're doing now has been never been done before so you have to act differently yeah and unfortunately there's nothing that will um there, there's nothing on the horizon that makes us believe that that's going to stop. Yeah. Right. Is the buying power um, of the, of the average American is continuing to go down as we see wealth inequality hit its all time high, right? It's for the mo- for excluding the early 1900s, understand that in relative terms, everyone today is more wealthy than they were in 1900. Right. As you, if you have a flat screen TV and a cell phone, you were officially more wealthy than you were in 1900 when when we were still um, on horse and buggy and there was no indoor plumbing. It was an outhouse. You had to yeah, go to an outhouse. Right. So, right. so understand contextually <laughs> yeah. that 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 was uh, that's old school wealth building and that we're significantly more wealthy today. We're using context. those models and systems to, that's right. to acquire wealth. When they were using outhouses. That's right. That's right. And so we're in a two, we're in a totally new economic market, you know, and there's, there's a lot of um, argument and debate and um, amongst economists, which are essentially the equivalent of, um, you know, reading the horoscope or, or checking the weatherman. Um, because while yes, there are um, certainly brilliant economists, there's only, that's one aspect of it. There's social behavior, there's political behavior. Economics is an incredibly complex and adaptive ecosystem all on its own. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's this debate as to modern monetary theory versus, versus classical economic, Keynesian economics. I mean, there, there is not a simultaneously one agreed upon way of managing the current modern economic theory. And so, yes, Mike, to your point, we're not necessarily operating in the same money market we were operating in 50 years ago. Just wake up and look at the bond yield. Look yeah. at the yield of CDs or, uh, or look at the fact that Apple buys back the majority of its stock. You know, at one point, the um, companies that were on the S&P 5, or sorry, were on the Fortune 500, they had been in business for an average of 90 years. The, the companies on the Fortune 500 right now have been in business 14 years on average. 14 years. And so we are in this incredibly new, f- innovative time during a fourth industrial revolution that is truly changing the game from a, uh, from a monetary and economic system and a lifestyle system. And so using the same playbook from, from Benjamin Graham 100 years ago, buying value stocks may not 
still work in today's market, or at least it hasn't for the last two decades. Right. And so quick question then. So to recap, what was, what is your equation for keeping money? So, so yeah, so keeping money, then, um, the, the equation that, um, that I came up with is that you would need to, um, manage your emotions, automate them, protect them by understanding the, like com the components of liability of, um, of divorce, who you hire, all those things, um, be able to transfer your wealth that's to right. your heirs. So emotions plus automation plus expense management and plus protection. And then, so what would you suggest for somebody that is wanting to automate? What apps do you find useful in your automation quest? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, a couple different things that I, I would use then. So I, I like, I use the every dollar app, which just happens to be like a Dave Ramsey um, app for um, expense management. So budget wise, I automate in with um, with every dollar. But you could also use Mint, which mm -hmm. um, is a mm -hmm. is a free option as well. Um, I think I use the paid plan for for every dollar just because it was annoying to not. Um, and, and so, um, that, and then I think you have to look at it and say, okay, what are you going, what, what apps or what automation, um, are you going to use for investing? You know, if, obviously if you've got a retirement account or f for whatever company that you may or may not be with, how are you going to automate, um, either your investments into your IRA or into your 401k, um, and then whatever automation systems come with that. Um, if not, then I would say what will you automate in, whether that's a Vanguard or a Robinhood or um, a Coinbase or um, any of the different investment vehicles, automate in recurring buys so that your dollar cost averaging on a weekly or a monthly basis. And, um, and then automate as many other like expense saving items possible that you can maybe that's automating prescriptions through amazon's uh you know recurring prescription service or maybe like we automate our groceries or as many of them as we can so that they recur on an interval and that way we don't have to like think out of emotion to go buy things that right. we don't need right. if we can set up set up what we want to buy up front and then automate it on recurring then one, I don't have to expend any energy capital and I don't have to expend any like additional cash capital buying things that we didn't put on the list to recur anyway. Right. Um, there's, you can what do you say about like doing an audit on, cause what happens is you have all these subscription services now. Yeah. Like, do you do like an audit on your expenses on a regular basis to make sure you're not paying out any additional subscriptions or anything yeah, like that? I do. And you know what I found though is, um, I used to do it almost like every day or minimum every week. And then I found that like, it puts me in a pissy place <laughs> mentally. So I've scaled it back because of what it does to my mindset. Got it. Um, because it gets me thinking, you know, like this is like each person has to decide how it works for them. Right. I mean, if it doesn't, if it doesn't piss you off the way it does me, then maybe you could do it. Dude, It's crazy how week. like, man, how am I paying these people? I don't even know who these yeah. people are. And all of a sudden they're taking like two ninety nine a month for the yep. last however many and, months. And so one thing that I, so I've scaled my checking, like, so on every dollar you can drag and drop your budget expenses. And so I would go in every day and drag and drop them. 
Um, but it used to, it, it got me too focused on what we were spending instead of focused on the multiplying part of it. Got so it. I scaled it back to, um, do it less frequently, but each person's got to determine how that works for them. And then, um, you know, one thing Mike that I do, and this is probably not the popular thing to say, but I'll cancel credit cards or lock them. So Mike, most of our credit cards, like our business credit card stays locked 100% of the time. Which means that when somebody needs to get paid next month for one of those recurring expenses. You have get, to actively go out and do something that's right. in order it, to. It either declines yeah. or I get an email in advance that says, hey, time for this payment to be due. In which then I can go in and unlock it and make the payment. Got it. Um, but I'll either cancel them or lock them. The, be- the fastest way to get rid of those things is to cancel credit cards or cancel accounts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that or might like, sound drastic, but that's the quickest way to do it. And one one thing that I do is once a year I lose my credit card. Yep. So then when you lose the credit card, they have to issue you a new yep. the, the account stays open, but they issue a different number and then it's Correct. gonna decline. Yeah. Sorry, that that's the best way. That's the better way to do it. Unless there's, <laughs> unless there's recurring expenses. Sometimes if you have recurring drafts, that won't work. Yeah. And yeah, because so, they'll open it back up. Yep. Yeah, because the account still exists. So they'll be like, oh, this is what it was meant for. Yep. And they'll find your new account. Yep. And that can be convenient if you wanted to keep it and really inconvenient if you didn't want to continue that recurring expense. Right. Got it. And and so a lot of times the best way to do it is have your card get rejected. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so um, that's one of the best workaround hacks for expense management. And, and as a business owner, like that can be one of the challenges is like everyone. So we have certain people have employee cards and they have, uh, you know, a low limit on it. I can change that limit if there's some reason to need to change the limit. But if not, um, you end up with a bunch of pies that never should have been ordered or shouldn't get ordered that show up on your expense account because there's not a limit in place. And I wouldn't say that because I speak from experience, of course, or whatever that specific instance is. I mean, one time I had an employee bail himself out of jail wow. using using a company credit card. Yeah, wow. but don't tell anybody about me. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, man, why are you talking to my business out there like that to the world? No. So, so having having uh, employee cards with low with low limits or with with boundaries can yeah. be uh, a really big deal. It's, I mean. It's a good way to manage money at home even is yeah. to have low limit cards. Yep. Nice. Um, let me see if I have any other questions. Oh, and that you mentioned there, there was a, um, a podcast that you were talking about. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, there's probably a bunch of those. Um, yeah. What podcast would you recommend out there that um, if somebody wants to get a hold of their, I'm listening to life? like the, uh, we study billionaires. Oh yeah. Are you? Yes. Oh, nice. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm listening. I'm trying to geek out on that. Cause this is the thing that I'm learning is all a mindset. And the problem is, is like, I have to change the way I think of things. So yeah. these podcasts give me insight as the way these guys think. So that maybe I can start thinking like that one. Day. Yeah. I love that. So the investors podcast is the one that you're talking about is the, we study billionaires one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff on that. Um, Garrett Gunderson has, has good, um, content. He wrote a book, I think called the sacred cow or killing sacred cows, I believe was what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll watch the uh, money Guys show. If the, if I like the headline that, that pops up, um, I, I watch, um, Kitco. 
sometimes because they have, um, listen, here's how I listen to things is I'm looking for extremes typically. And so my, my, I'm looking for extremes and I'm looking for propaganda language. Okay. So understand that. <laughs> and, 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 that explains a lot. Here's why. That totally explains a lot. Here's why. What, what you know is that usually the outliers who use propaganda tactics are typically the ones you want to ignore. Okay. And if you don't, un, if you can't filter through the, 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 remember we had an episode about, about words matter. Yeah. Right. And the words matter because they oftentimes are strategically intended to trigger you into a belief system. Okay. And so what I believe is that anyone who uses words that are meant to trigger you into belief system has an ulterior motive or an agenda. They're already, already playing their hand because of where they, the position, the words, the verbiage. That's right. The goal is to manipulate towards a bias to get you to go somewhere. And so what I know is that, that if I, if I find something in the extremes with, with words that are intended to manipulate or propaganda, then there is something underlying to that, that is trying to drive a bias. So I look for the outliers on each side of the spectrum so that I know where the out, out of bound lines are. Okay. And then there's something typically on one side or the, that skewed more, um, progressive or, or, you know, more left or right of center that mm-hmm. is likely the, the better route to go. So for instance, like I was involved in, in metaverse projects before, um, Zuckerberg decided that he would change the name of the company. So the, because I was listening to content, looking for outliers and the outlier um, conversation was about, you know, the idea of, of get, buying Atari and Sega and Nintendo before they were mainstream. Mm-hmm. And this is where things are going, but no propaganda language is used, which then triggers me to go, okay, this is really outside of the bounds of normal conversation, but without any of the selling manipulation tactics. The sizzle that people would typically use when they're trying to bring you to a movement. That's right. Yeah. And so it's almost like that door that's just sitting there like, what is, what is that? that? Why is there a door right here? Why is there a door right there? That's right. That's right. And so, so understand then when you have your thesis around how you're going to filter in and filter out, then it lets you know what to like go investigate further. But I almost, I I would not investigate something that Robert Kiyosaki is selling because of the propaganda language that he uses along with it. I know it actually, I, he disqualifies himself. That's right. And so I'm always, (laughs) I do. I literally read his stuff with a grain of salt. Sometimes always looking for the outliers because it tells me what to rule in or rule out. He's trying to sell a book. And then know that when someone's not using those tactics and they can make logical or persuasive um, arguments around it, there might be something there to investigate further. And so knowing um, what to rule in and rule out can be a really um, effective way to, to not uh, go out and get necessarily taken advantage of. You know, there's some, there's some, int- uh, there, there is also uh, a fascinating, um, uh, social study where like the author or the founder of like skeptics magazine, um, actually had happened to be someone who invested in, um, money with Bernie Madoff. So Mm. someone who actually like skeptical tells people how to avoid being taken advantage of even 
missed yeah. it himself and invested with Bernie Madoff. Yeah. And so even when you try to be incredibly bulletproof or you have a system, it doesn't mean that you're going to get it right every time. You just have to continue to like decide, are you going to learn from that thesis? What went wrong? And then continue to go back out and play the game. Honestly, man, it's taking action. Like the thing with, like with investing it's going out and actually investing and then inv finding your jam. Yeah. And right. then getting really purposeful and what do you say? Uh, uh, fo Hyper-focused. Yep. And so once you do that, you then take action and then automate it. Automatically yep. save money that's going to invest in that. And then the cumulative effect of that activity behavior over time is going to build wealth. Yeah. Absolutely. And so in the easiest way to do that is then is to um, if you can buy a, a basket or a bundle, an index of um, companies or businesses or projects that fit into um, what you think will will fit that thesis or will will multiply or grow in the future. That's typically going to be the best way to do it is because the likelihood of picking Google when Netscape was the browser of choice yeah, in the nineties we with that little end going across, we weren't thinking right. about Google and then AOL <laughs> and then Yahoo right. and, and all of the other, <laughs> all of the other search companies that came along after Napster. Netscape. That's right. Like <laughs> Google was like something like the 12th, yeah. the 14th ranked yeah. search engine. And yet if you'd bought a, a bundle or a basket of search engine companies, yeah. you, you didn't need to pick the winner of the Kentucky Derby. You just needed to pick all of the horses in the race to know that you were going to get some sort of jackpot. Yeah. If you believe that search was going to be part of the future. Right. Yeah. Who knew? I, st I use cha-cha. Do y'all remember cha-cha? Yeah, heck yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, Tyler is like, what's cha-cha? Do you know what cha-cha is? <laughs> I remember Ask Jeeves. <laughs> I do. I remember Ask Jeeves, a commercial. So, uh, like, in my case, like, I've invested in, in Metaverse, but in a Metaverse fund, not in, like, going out and trying to pick the winner of every horse race. Right. Because the reality is it, it will evolve so much over the next two decades that getting it right is nearly impossible. The likelihood of you getting that, buying Apple stock That's back right. in whatever is crazy it was yep. crazy but if you're diverse and you're in the area and you have focus you'll be able to see when apple stock develops before other people will see it because you are in that area yep and, and so just remember we talked about in the last episode is defining what your belief is your thesis of what the future looks like and and what you think will multiply and compound moving Geek forward and then go hyper-focus, geek out on it. Geek out on it. And, and buy, the, buy that basket or buy that industry, get that index, and, and, and be convicted that that's the direction it goes in the future.